What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Passing Down Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Padi. I'm here with PD. Say what's up. What's up? All right, and we're back for our fourth episode of the year. Today, we're going to do another review of the best quarterback performances or the most interesting quarterback performances we saw in week three, and we're going to do a little bit of a preview going into week four. And... Well, let's jump right into it, Petey. What do you think of week three? Yeah, first guy I want to talk about, um, unfortunately going to be a bit of a negative one, but a necessary one, I think, because it's an important point for me to talk about with his development, and that's Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields, with the third consecutive poor game of the year, I I felt fine excusing the first one because of the poor weather. Terrible. But these last two have been really, really poor. And the supporting cast is clearly not helping him, but I think there's certain things in his game that are like really holding him back right now. So first thing I want to talk about, the accuracy. It's just, it's not the same as it was at Ohio State. Um, his, his first year in the league, the accuracy uh, looked like it was an issue because of his poor timing, but it's continuing to be an issue even with the second year and the training camp to prepare. Uh, 31.7% perfect pass rate. That would be significantly worse than league average, which is around 55-56%. Multiple bad sacks in this game where he's kind of holding the ball for too long and not even trying to get rid of it. He's just kind of holding it and waiting for someone to come wide open. And multiple interceptable passes that were his fault. The intercept, Both of the interceptions that he threw in this game were, were quite poor, in my opinion. But he does get some of that value back uh, by making a great throw around the nine-minute mark to Darnell Mooney in the fourth quarter. So a a poor showing overall for Fields. But again, there's like these little glimmers of hope to where he might make you think that there's something there. So I really really hope that this is just a a poor start to the year and not a sign of things to come. Because this was a really, really great quarterback prospect at Ohio State. And I, I really do want him to succeed and fulfill his potential. Yeah, and another thought on Fields. This past week, they were, in addition to his poor play, playing against a pretty bad defense in the Texans' defense. So, you know, against teams like that, I feel like he's definitely got to step up. But as PD mentioned, he's still very young, still has shown a lot of flashes of greatness, and I hope moving forward he can improve. But moving on from Fields to probably one of the better quarterbacks in the league, general consensus, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I found this game interesting because typically something I see a lot with Mahomes is he'll put up big splash games numbers-wise. But if you dive into the actual game, it doesn't look as impressive as sometimes the numbers suggest. However, with this game, I felt a little bit of the opposite. You know, going into this week, the Chiefs were heavy favorites, and losing this game, a lot of people would probably put the blame on Mahomes, as many people do with, you know, the starting quarterback. But this game, I felt a lot of the problems came with the Chiefs as a whole. I will say, starting out, he did have a bad drive or two. The first drive was a quick three and out. He had one bad play. The second drive, he threw it to Kelsey on a little bit, but he ended up getting tackled. It was after the Sky Moore uh, muffed punt, and they were pinned. You know, once again, they kicked it away. And most of that fourth quarter, the Colts were just holding the ball. 
And then eventually we got a classic Carson Wentz turnover and we saw Mahomes throw a dime touch pass to Kelsey that ended up setting up a touchdown. And looking at the next drive, once again, he drove downfield, took what the defense was giving him, a lot of dinks and dunks, a bit different of what we see normally from Mahomes, which I'll talk about later. And then ultimately that drive ended in a field goal because of what I would got to say is bad play calling. And then again, middle of the second quarter, he found Juju on the run. It was a great pass. He evaded the pressure, got it to Juju in the middle of the field, and it was just dropped, led to a punt. And then the following drive, he led them downfield. They scored a touchdown. He hadn't done anything too crazy, but there's a two-point conversion to Kelsey where you know, it was a, in classic Mahomes fashion. He evaded pressure, ran to the side, found Kelsey in the middle of the field, got that two-point conversion. Definitely one of the more impressive uh, plays of the field, of his game. And overall, I feel like he was just taking what the defense was giving him, which the Colts were clearly taking away the deep shot. They know well, that's what Mahomes is best at. That's what ends up causing the Chiefs offense to absolutely kill defenses and it was taking what the defense was giving him but honestly his receiving receivers weren't getting a whole lot of separation this is easily his worst receiving core of the whole of his whole career probably and also his defense was playing surprisingly bad outside of a couple of you know turnovers that really turned the tide the Colts were really controlling the time of possession of that game and Mahomes wasn't even on the field a whole lot. Another key play in that game was a huge unsportsmanlike conduct play on that on the drive that ended up being the Colts' game-winning drives. The Chiefs had Chiefs had them stopped, and plays like that really kill games. And I will say Mahomes did have a quite bad play to end the game where he threw a pick. I think he was just trying to make something out of nothing because. Looking at that play, he didn't really have a whole lot going on. They needed to get to the field goal marker. There was only seven seconds left. So it's somewhat excusable. But overall, just I think Mahomes didn't have a terrible game, nothing crazy. But I think he did the most of what he had. And I think moving forward into the season, I think, as I said earlier, the teams did sell Mahomes a little bit. And he was constantly under duress. The offensive line wasn't getting the blocking they needed to give, and we're seeing a lot of the dink and dunk Mahomes this year, which I think, you know, is a necessary part of his game, but it clearly is not his strong suit, and I think we need, especially with this roster, that gunslinger Mahomes that's just going to put up a lot of points and win this team games, and I don't know whether it's coaching, whether their personnel this year doesn't really fit that, but we haven't seen that, and I feel like we need a lot more of that. Yeah, I think that uh, right now Andy Reid isn't necessarily at the top of his game yet because they're still developing familiarity with that chief supporting cast. I do, I do actually like that Mahomes is uh, throwing it underneath because I, I, I already have full confidence in his ability to push the ball deep, and I really, I want to see him like develop that underneath game to the level that that deep passing game already is. So it's, it's, it's interesting to me to see that part of his game develop. Uh, moving on to another young quarterback with Tua Tungvaloa, and Tua was Tua was amazing in this game against the Bills. Um, very few plays because he uh, had a concussion earlier on uh, in the first half. Which side note, um, 
we're, we're coming off a Thursday night football game where Tua was allowed to play and suffered a second concussion. I just wanted to say that uh, the behavior that the Dolphins showed uh, leading up to that game, letting him play, um, that, that was probably irresponsible. And it, it could have cost Tua his career and potentially his life. So um, really, really dangerous stuff from the Dolphins. Um, and I, and I uh, hope nothing but the best for Tua. Yeah. Um, getting back to the... Oh, I'd yeah, like to speak on that as well. Yeah, I think that's incredibly irresponsible from both the Dolphins and the NFL. We saw in the previous game, Tua suffered a big hit, and he clearly lost his balance getting up. And I don't even think he should have come back in the game last week after what we saw from him. You know, they took that injury, and at first it was diagnosed as a head injury, and then they called it a back injury and let him play in the game, which ultimately ended up being fine, luckily. But that in itself is incredibly irresponsible. I don't know which doctor allowed that to happen. But after that game, the NFL came out and said that they're going to investigate that and see what happened. And somehow, someway, literally four days later, Tua was allowed to play, which is absolutely nuts. I don't understand at all from even a football perspective, like, why the Dolphins would want to risk their entire season because now Tua was obviously going to be out for a longer period of time, why they'd risk that entire season for just one game, which they ended up losing anyways. And just from a human perspective, why, you know, Mike McDaniels is supposed to be a player's coach and all that, why he would even want his quarterback out there who was clearly concussed from the previous game, whether they wanted to rule it that game or not over the next few days, that's definitely something they would have to, they would have seen. And yeah. And I got to say that hit that ended up taking him out of the Bengals game was absolutely bone chilling. Seeing what, I don't know, whatever you would want to call his hands, his finger twitching or whatever was absolutely scary and definitely reminds you of, you know, the dangers of this game but he definitely shouldn't have even been put in that position in the first place. And I think it's an absolute shame from both the NFL and the Dolphins organization risking his life for just one game, one or two weeks. This could have, he could have sat out and been completely fine. So I'm absolutely disappointed. Yeah. Um, difficult, difficult to wrap our heads around that situation um, without kind of sounding obtuse and not saying the right thing. Um, I do want to uh, point out something a little brighter, though, which is his performance in Week 3 against the Bills, um, where he played excellent. Um, a 57% perfect pass rate and a game where he kind of had an exceptional display of accuracy down the field, which is something that he's been criticized for, the lack of explosive plays in his game. Um, the anticipation and the touch were incredible, um, I'd like to point out the the deep throw that he made to Jalen Waddle, and there was a number of throws that he made uh, into tight windows, um, into into coverage, um, specifically into the intermediate area of the field, off those play actions, off those RPOs. That's his bread and butter, and he looks as good as ever. Um, the only thing that really is holding me back from saying this is one of the best games of the year that we'll see uh, for the entire season. Uh, is the fact that he had a dropped pick by Matt Milano that was probably going to be a pick six. So that really, really poor play is holding it back to just an excellent game. 
But overall, I, I'm really encouraged by his performance this year so far, and I'm excited to see what he can do when he when he gets back healthy and whenever that is. Yeah, and moving on from Tua to his opponent in that game, Josh Allen. What we saw from Josh Allen in this game, in my opinion, probably his worst of his three first games, but judging by how elite he was those first two games, certainly wasn't a bad performance from him. Looking into this game, early in the game, I thought he had great ball placement, finding his receivers underneath, giving them the opportunity to have yards after the catch, and just overall, just finding the right person every play. I thought he had a great play versus the Blitz to find uh, Devin Singletary for that first touchdown. Uh, he did have a fumble in the first quarter, but I don't think that was on him at all. He got absolutely no blocking if you look at that play and just got clobbered from the right side. Uh, but moving from oh, forward from that, in the second quarter, early in the second quarter, I believe, he had a great deep throw to Isaiah McKenzie on second and 19, right in the bread basket between two defenders. I thought that was one of his best throws of the game. He also had a lot of good runs to extend their drives, and he was a great playmaker this game for sure. The Miami pass rush we've seen all year has been pretty lethal, and he was able to you know, get out of the pocket at times or even stay in the pocket and just find his guys. But I'd say overall, because of Miami's elite pass rushing and their defense kind of taking away the big play, we've seen it happen with other quarterbacks, and I think defenses are doing it now too to Josh Allen, where they're taking away the big play and forcing him to throw down low, which we've seen him improve upon this game. And he had to rely a lot on that this game because I saw him quite often go through all his progressions, go to his third, fourth guy instead of the first and second read, and really finding the right player. But the Dolphins did a great job of playing a bend-don't-break defense, so to say. And, you know, it forced that Bills offense to not necessarily be as prolific as they were in previous weeks. I do think there were times he could have been a bit more aggressive. I don't think his offensive line and necessarily the Miami defense let him have that, but he does have to find more instances in these types of games to just make a play, whether it's downfield or just something to open up their defense, because I do think the Bills' offense was quite limited this game. Despite him, you know, doing what he needed to do, I think with an elite quarterback of his caliber, he's got to be able to just open up the game completely and just dice up any defense. I will say, and to end the game, he led a great drive uh, to almost take his team to victory, but he did have a bit of a choking moment where on third and goal to win the game, he almost threw a pick while trying to throw it to Diggs, and on fourth down, he had an open player for a touchdown and just threw it in the dirt. There's no excuse for it. Absolutely threw it on the dirt in fourth and goal. And, you know, overall, uh, Josh Allen has been you what you could call a clutch quarterback, but there has been instances like this game where I feel like Josh Allen simply doesn't close the game. And I know I'm nitpicking here a bit, but Josh Allen does have the chance to win MVP and establish himself as the best quarterback in the league this year. I think it's plays like those he's really got to make in order to establish himself as that. 
you know, his great game that he had the whole rest of the game ended up not mattering in a sense because he didn't make that play. He still played great, but, you know, with a player like him, it's the specific things that matter. And that's something I noticed with him. Yeah, I want to I want to take it even a step further. So you 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 were saying that uh, the kind of like the explosive plays were a little bit offset. I want to take it a step further and say that uh, the amount of mistakes that he made in that game that went unpunished were significant. Kind of uh, kind of neutered the effect of the explosive plays that he made that game to me. Even mm-hmm. though the defense wasn't good enough to punish them, he has a fumble in the first half, not the one that uh, led directly to a touchdown, but the one that the uh, Bills themselves recovered that I thought was pretty poor. He has uh, the play at the end of the first half where. He kind of bobbles the snap and then throws it out uh, on like a screen to Diggs, and the commentators are like saying that he's pulled a Marino in, in, in Miami. But really, when you look at the play, he's fumbling the snap and he just chucks it out there, and he's lucky that it's not a pick six. Um, you mentioned the play on the goal line late in the game on third and goal where he's almost picked off um, to to kind of close the game, and there, there's a number of dropped interceptions uh, later in the second half. Uh, that that total for me is six turnover-worthy plays, and that's offset by four, maybe five, depending on your definition uh, of these explosive plays. So really, what we're looking at is honestly a below-average performance, in my opinion, from Josh Allen. I really would have liked to see him play better in this game in terms of protecting the ball. Um, it didn't come back to bite them necessarily because Miami didn't capitalize on any of the opportunities that Josh Allen gave them, but it still kind of stalled drives because six added incompletions or plays for no gain uh, is pretty harmful. So th- there is some effect there, even though we don't see it in the box score. Yeah, um, definitely moving on to... Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, you can go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'd say definitely a game where he still stuffed the stat sheet as he did in the previous weeks. But, you know, when you really look at it, not the best game from Allen. Yeah. Um, moving on to a quarterback who I thought played a little bit better than his uh, box score would indicate, at least early on, is Kirk Cousins. Um, a horrible game in week two where he had multiple turnover-worthy plays, uh, multiple turnovers. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting with Kirk uh, because this week he came out, he started slow again, um, but in the second half he really like started to catch fire. Um, the first half. It, it was kind of like throwing into coverage, not really throwing passes on the money. But second half, like, he, he really took it to another level. 66% perfect pass rate for Kirk on the day. Um, you know, an excellent throw into tight coverage to Irv Smith early on. Um, and then to end the game, uh, back-to-back throws to KJ Osborne on the money. Second one, a bit of a blown coverage, but he still put it on the money in the end zone to KJ Osborne. So it's still an excellent throw to me, regardless. Uh, a nice bounce back game for Kirk, who is kind of back on track to establishing himself as a potential candidate for the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, moving on from that divisional battle to probably what I'd say was one of the better games uh, of the weekend was Patriots-Ravens. Patriots and Looking at Lamar Jackson's performance in this game, I got to say, once again, he's done a great job of silencing all the, you know, the running back comments and all the haters, because this year he's been 
absolutely phenomenal. And he continued this game once again, in my opinion, continuing to solidify himself as an elite player and MVP candidate. I think one thing I saw a lot in this game, which I noticed, was in previous years, I felt like teams, especially like the Patriots with a great uh, defensive mind coaching them and Bill Belichick, they'd send blitzes at Lamar Jackson. And I feel like a lot of the time he'd kind of panic in those situations. He'd either just take off or try to take off or just throw the ball up for grabs in a lot of situations rather than really assessing the blitz. And honestly, using his legs, which is in the top one percentile easily of QBs, definitely the best in that space. And this year, I think he's really realizing how he can utilize his mobility in these types of situations because he's able to use his legs to really freeze defenders in the open space. You know, edge defenders can't just run straight at Lamar because he can just simply run around them and that kills the defense if they don't hold contain. So just by viewing his options, he can just simply freeze defenders, and he's able to just analyze his options, read the defenses, and hit his hot routes in those situations. And that makes them absolutely elite, because I already felt like in the pocket, Lamar was a great passer. And this was that extra part to his game that I feel like really has taken him over the top in this week. Like, one example of that in this game was, you know, there was a one-handed catch by Mark Andrews in the second quarter. But in that play, you saw a Patriots linebacker have a free shot at Lamar. And he kind of just stayed there, viewed his options. And the linebacker had a freeze just in case Lamar took off. And he just dumped it off to Andrews in that situation. And that's something I really liked from him. But moving on to the rest of that game, uh... Uh, I think he did a great job of making good reads that game and just finding the open man, as I said. Uh, I think he shredded the Patriots' defense more than normal with his runs just up the middle. They had no answer for that. And he did throw one pass to Andrews for a touchdown. That was, I I felt like, one of the best throws of his game because he was under pressure off his back foot. He just launched it 20 yards downfield to the back of the end zone to Andrews. Great play from him there. Uh, and like like I said earlier with the run, he had a big 50-yard run in the middle of the third quarter again. And then he ended that with an absolutely amazing back corner throw to Duvernay for a touchdown while under pressure, which all that just left me saying, wow, that throw was absolutely on the money and probably one of the better throws I've seen from Lamar this season. And he capped the game with a drive with multiple deep plays to Andrews and Bateman earlier in the drive and a fast, fantastic run for a touchdown to ice the game. Five touchdowns on his overall performance and just absolutely shredded the Patriots defense this year honestly could be my MVP right now after what I saw in that game. Just a great performance from him. Yeah, we're a little early for MVP, but if he was your leading candidate right now, I have no no issues about it. Yeah, he's been um, incredible. Uh, yeah, great performance from him. I will say um, I, I think that his numbers against – like his, his numbers in general are, are, are off the charts right now and like historically off the charts to where – 
it's it's not possible for him to sustain this level of production. Yeah, uh, 120 passer rating with uh, most of that coming from the fact that he has 19 touchdowns and 11 plus touchdown percentage on his passes is 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 not sustainable for a full year. However, I will say he he could very well be the leading candidate for MVP. Uh, it's, it's so interesting because this year I think he's got like four turnover worthy plays, but even with that, uh, he is the the MVP of this year because he he still is making so many plays that it puts him right at the top of the league. Um, moving on from uh, Lamar to the other side of the ball with with Mac Jones, uh, Mac Jones. This was a very interesting game for Mac Jones because he he did have three interceptions in this game. All of them were bad. There was another one that was on the goal line that could have been returned for a pick six that was also bad, but. There were there were so 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 many explosive plays in this game, uh, seven explosive plays uh, according to my tracking. So that 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 number of explosive plays kind of makes up for the, the amount of turnover plays that he produced in this game, in my opinion. I especially want to point out um, the ones that he threw to Devontae Parker. It felt like Devontae Parker was just absolutely making a play every single time he touched the ball in this game. Um, Specifically at about the 255 minute in the first quarter um, and towards the end of the second quarter to put the Patriots in field goal range. He also had a nice scramble on that drive. Um, And then the ones to Devontae Parker that I was referencing back to back to start the third quarter drive. Um, He throws one down the sideline to the left to Devontae Parker in tight coverage, puts it right on the money. um, And Devontae Parker catches it through the pass interference. Um, And then he throws another one to Devontae Parker, this time back shoulder, and he catches it along the sideline. So a bunch of explosive plays from Mac Jones, really something that people question from Mac Jones um, and kind of paint him as the exact opposite archetype of this. But uh, a very interesting point in Mac Jones' development, I'm very curious to see if he can take this and push it forward and minimize the turnover with the plays with this kind of style because then we're looking at a very, very special, special quarterback. Yeah, before moving on from this game, two more thoughts I had. You know, this offseason, we did see the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in a little bit of a contract dispute. And one interesting to think about thing to think about is if Lamar ends up winning two MVPs under that rookie contract, I know it's early, but we will be looking at an absolutely massive deal that just shatters the market this year if that does happen. And on the flip side... Mac Jones did end up suffering an ankle injury towards the end of that game. And as of today, I believe he's ruled out for this week. And as PD mentioned, he was absolutely incredible against the Ravens. A little bit of a bounce back game from two down weeks for him. So hoping for a speedy recovery for him. And I hope to see him back next week. Yeah, uh, moving on to our next quarterback, which is Joe Burrow. Uh, A bit of a bounce-back game in Week 3 for Joe Burrow after a slow start. Uh, 51.5% perfect pass rate for Joe Burrow. Um, The two plays that were the best plays I thought of the day that I wanted to focus on, he started off off the second quarter with uh, an explosive 45-yard gain on a tight window throw to T. Higgins. I thought that one was particularly impressive. And then the one that didn't show up in the stat sheet but I thought was also extremely impressive was the play where T. Higgins uh, couldn't get two feet down in the end zone, but Burrow put it high and away in a perfect spot at the back of the end zone. And I thought this was kind of a return to form for him in terms of pushing the ball down the field 
and putting it in catchable spots for his receivers. Uh, no, uh, one turnover-worthy play in the fourth quarter uh, on a dropped interception by a DB. But the, but the biggest thing that's a driver of the success for Joe Burrow this week is the fact that he didn't take very many sacks that were his fault. And I think the volume of pressure, um, him just trying to make a play and trying to compensate for uh, a lack of separation down the field early into the play, um, I think that he took too many sacks in the first two games. And that number drastically dropped in week three and even extending into week four, kind of. So a, a much better, a much cleaner game for Joe Burrow. Uh, in this one, and probably looking at him, uh, we're probably looking at him taking the right step in his trajectory for the rest of the season. Yeah, and moving on from a game that was that went kind of expected with the Bengals bouncing back, we look at another game which was somewhat a surprise, I would say, in the Jaguars Chargers because you know, nobody really expected the. Chargers to come out and lay a dud the way they quite did versus the Jaguars. But I will say, looking into this game with in Trevor Lawrence, I feel like the score kind of lies in how good he was in this game because looking at his actual performance, it wasn't necessarily as impressive as you know something like last week, which we saw versus the Commanders, in which it was absolutely phenomenal. I think this was a little bit back to like, the Trevor Lawrence we hope to move on from. Still a solid performance from him, but not quite what I wanted. I think early on in that game, he had a lot of uh, a lot of balls with not the best placement, kind of limited yak yards for his receivers. There were a bunch of throws he just absolutely sailed onto the sidelines. Like early in the late in the first quarter, there was one series where. He just sailed the ball into the sidelines on second and nine. And then third down, he just once again threw the ball into harm's way. Something we just can't see from someone like him. Once again, late in the first quarter, he threw the ball into double coverage, and that was almost picked off. And, you know, just overall early in that game, uh, not the best. A couple of turnover-worthy plays. Where it started to turn around for him, though, was... Uh, he had an amazing run on the throw to Zay Jones for a touchdown. Later in that second quarter, he had another strike to Christian Kirk for a big game, or for a big gain, sorry, and just ended the half with a great toe-tap throw to Evan Ingram. It ended up being reversed, but regardless, that was an amazing throw to him. And overall, I thought in that second quarter, he started a bring it around from that start of the first start from the start of the game where he just wasn't there. I think in the second half, we didn't get to see a lot from him because as I said, the chargers laid a dud, the Jaguars were playing with the lead and the play calling got more conservative yet still effective. A lot of RPOs, swing passes, short crossers, quick outs, you know, stuff he still did deliver on. He was delivering the ball on the money. I felt like, God is, uh, was throwing it in the right windows, give his receivers the chance to maximize those throws. But at the end of the day, we didn't get to see a regular Trevor Lawrence game in that second half because of the circumstance of that game. But he did end that game with a fantastic touchdown throw to Marvin, Marvin Jones in the back of the end zone, bringing it to 38 points and ultimately finishing off that game. But 
overall, what I got from this game was Trevor Lawrence seemed somewhat like a rhythm player. When he got going, there was very few mistakes, but early on, it was very rough. And I just need to see him be a lot more consistent in that second half, Trevor Lawrence, where he's not making those boneheaded, uh, turnover-worthy plays or just absolutely sailing the ball away from his receivers. That stuff he's got to clean up, and it does kind of plague him, but you know, we still did see a lot of good from him in that second half, and I hope he builds upon that. Moving on from one young quarterback who is starting to show signs of becoming a franchise quarterback to another quarterback who's kind of holding his own in that aspect in Jalen Hurts. And this game, once again, I'd say solidified him as an elite MVP contender this year if you even want to talk about it this early in the year. But Jalen Hurts has definitely had a strong start to the season. And in this game, he did start off a little bit slow. He had a lot of incompletions in the first, and he was able to avoid pressure well from the commanders, but ultimately he wasn't making the right reads or throwing his players open necessarily. What I think started to get him going was Late in the first quarter, he threw an absolute laser on a go route to Devontae Smith, which ultimately opened up from a great game from Devontae Smith. But I think that and then another dot early on in the second quarter, again to AJB, or this one to AJB, throwing deep on a go route. And I think that started to open up the defense. I think early on, the... Commander's defense was a little bit more compressed, didn't necessarily give Hurts the room to work with after those two deep shots where he punished the Commanders for playing like this with an extremely accurate deep go-route throw, two extremely accurate throws. They started to open up a bit, and that's when we saw Jalen Hurts really go to work, in my opinion. I think he did a great job after that of taking the underneath throws again because that's what they were giving him after all those big plays. And he was putting the ball in the right places for guys like Devontae Smith and once again, Goddard, A.J. Brown to just have big gains over the middle and things like that. Once again, he had a leap throw Devontae Smith at the end of the half where on a deep post, he threw it at the perfect spot where only Devontae Smith could get it uh, high and just right in between those two defenders. That's a really elite throw that I just haven't seen from Hurts in previous years, and honestly not from a whole lot of quarterbacks in that league, in the league. And he ended that drive with a phenomenal throw again to Smith in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. It wasn't the best read necessarily because Smith was quite covered, but the way Devontae Smith was playing that game, you know, he might as well have said, fuck it, let's throw it up to Devontae Smith, and Smith made a great grab there for a touchdown. That was amazing. But after that, the Eagles kind of solidified themselves in that first half as the winner of that game. And in the second half, we honestly didn't see a whole lot of hurts. It was a lot of them just running the ball, chewing the clock, and on defense, the commanders just having a bunch of long-winded drives that ultimately didn't lead to too many points. He did have, in the first half, first uh, drive of the second half, an aggressive throw to Devontae Smith that almost led in an interception, but I feel like he still placed the ball in a way where it would have been incredibly difficult for the defender to get it. 
But overall, after that, the rest of the game, he just kind of threw it down, threw it close. A lot of check downs, a lot of short throws, dink and dunks to end the game, which you know obviously isn't exciting, but. Once again, as we've mentioned with a lot of quarterbacks, a very important part of the game because the Eagles have really been able to just put teams away like that, just dinking and dunking downfield, chewing clock, and just winning games with big margins, not letting these teams come back because they are an explosive offense and they can't continue to be explosive. But when you're able to just put teams away with that sort of offense, that's really important. And I'm liking that a lot out of Hurts as well. And with that, that kind of wraps up our week three reviews. And moving on, we'll have the previews for week four, starting off with, once again, Jalen Hurts with PD. Yeah, I'm going to touch on a couple of the points that you made there for week three with Jalen Hurts. Uh, and I want to kind of touch on his season overall. So, the, the jump for Jalen Hurts in terms of the accuracy and the anticipation is like off the charts level good. Um, he's he's genuinely now one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. I don't know really uh, what it is with him necessarily, but my suspicion is that his footwork and his release are kind of much more tied together now than they were last year. I think that he's getting his heel into the ground uh, much more consistently and kind of that rotational force from his feet uh, is traveling much better through his body into his arm. And it's kind of letting the ball uh, be on the money much more consistently this year. Um, Like I said before, he's genuinely one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league right now, which if you said that to me before the season started, I I would not have believed you. And his timing has kind of gone from one of the worst in the league to clearly a very passable uh, sense of timing from him. So Jalen Hurts for me right now, he would probably be my MVP um, through these th- first three weeks. I said it was, I know I said it was early, but we did bring it up as a topic, and I do want to touch back on that. So the preview for this game uh, for Jalen Hurts, the Eagles offense has been extremely explosive through these first three weeks, and I, I think I would expect that to continue in, in week four. I know the Jaguars are uh, a defense that's on fire, but I think that the creativity of Nick Sirianni and the – the dual threat ability of Jalen Hurts combined with the run game of the Eagles will kind of open quite a few options for them in the RPO game, in the run game from Jalen Hurts. And while the while the Jaguars have kind of started out on fire, I think they are still a very young defense. And so I think they are still kind of prone to errors and Nick Sirianni will find a way to exploit that. Um, I also think that there's, there's really no matching up with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Dallas Goddard. Um, for, for the Eagles. I think that is one of one of the best wide receivers in the league, one of the best tight ends in the league, and an up-and-coming star at wide receiver with Devontae Smith. And uh, Quez Watkins as your last receiver is, is quite a good piece as well, in my opinion. So I don't really think there's any cover for this Eagles offense, and I expect them to keep cooking in week four. Yeah, and looking at their opponents in this game and Trevor Lawrence, as I mentioned earlier, You know, his performance against the Chargers wasn't necessarily the most impressive. He did what had to be done, but I am looking for improvement there. And what better way to do it is than against this Eagles defense, which that team overall has been absolutely hot. 
And one thing I'm really looking to for Trevor Lawrence is these are the types of games that he can't have those turnover-worthy mistakes if he really wants to lead his team to a win. And I hope he does that to start. Another thing is the Jaguars, as I mentioned in the game earlier, have relied a lot on the run game being more successful than expected, as well as the short pass game with a lot of their screens developing well and their short swing routes developing well to much more yards than expected. But when looking at this Eagles team, I feel like they've got a very strong front seven that may not allow those little plays to just break out and become major, major yardage gainers. And I think Lawrence is really going to have to step up and be the guy that play makes for them because I don't know if as a play caller he's going to be able to get those somewhat bailout plays that allow him to get first downs and move the ball downfield without him necessarily having to make a read. And that's what I'm really looking at of Trevor Lawrence this week. Yeah, moving on from Trevor Lawrence to another young quarterback with uh, Lamar Jackson. So my take on Lamar Jackson against the Bills this week, I think the Bills, uh, even with their injuries, I think that they're still able to generate pressure with their front four, which I think if we're if we're going to take the indicators from the early part of the season at face value, uh, Lamar Jackson will destroy the blitz, but the Bills don't have to blitz. Uh, they can win with their front four with ease. And so... Uh, looking at that matchup, I think that that might cause pre- cause trouble with Lamar as he's pressured with consistency uh, up front. Um, I think that the way that he plays under pressure will be a big part of this game because of the volume of pressure that the Bills can generate. And I think that his accuracy will be tested uh, as a result of having to make quick decisions uh, under pressure. His accuracy has been looking improved this season, I think. Uh, it's above le- league average again. So I think that uh, this will be a good uh, inflection point for Lamar Jackson's season. Yeah, and looking at his opponent in this game as well, Josh Allen, who, as we mentioned earlier, had a bit of a down game for his standards for sure, having a lot of plays, a lot of mistake-worthy plays that could could have and ultimately did cost his team the game. And just like I said with Lawrence, uh Allen is also facing a very stingy defense this week, probably one of the better secondaries in the league. We're going to match up well with what Allen's got in a really good receiving core this year. I think with tight coverage, Allen's going to have to have a lot of you know, plays where he's throwing his receivers open. Not necessarily, He's not necessarily going to have all the separation he had early on in the season with you know the poor defenses he played. And last week we saw him struggle a little bit with that when you saw the Dolphins kind of close the field off for him and take away those big plays that, you know, he's so good at. And just like last week, the Ravens also pose a very great pass rushing threat against Joss Allen. And last week we did see him struggle a bit with that. This week I want to see him do even more of what he did a little bit last week where he was able to get out of the pocket a bit, play make, get his receivers open. We saw that a bit, but I also thought he took some bad sacks last week. And I'm hoping he moves on from that, as well as just finding the right guy in his hot reads so that he can just punish the Ravens defense if they do what 
the Ravens ended up doing to him, or the Dolphins ended up doing to him last week. And moving on from one quarterback that needs a bit of a redemption game to another in Justin Herbert. And we didn't touch on him earlier, but man, that was definitely a tough sight to see. And as much as we can blame those cracked ribs, which are, or whatever his rib injury is, that is clearly the problem that is causing his poor play as of recent, because we've seen a huge dip from earlier in the year, Justin Herbert, who was looking phenomenal and the top five quarterback we've seen the past two years to the last game and a bit where he's looked inaccurate, he's looked immobile. And one thing I'm really hoping for is the last time we did see him was on a Thursday night game. So I'm hoping that week and a half-ish has given him time to fully recover from that. If not, I hope, you know, he's played at a much more limited level than he was in the last game. But overall, I just want him to see improve health-wise, and I think this is the perfect team to do it against, going up against the Texans who don't necessarily have much of a pass rush threat or front seven threat in general. And I think he's going to have plenty of time. His offensive line did also get quite injured last week, so... You know, we still don't know what's going on over there. And he's also got Keenan Allen out this week. So once again, not the best supporting cast, but it is a defense which shouldn't pose a threat to them whatsoever. And I just need Justin Herbert to take advantage of these defenses. We did see last year a poor Texans defense end up almost shutting him out and ultimately cost them a playoff spot. So I'm hoping he comes back with some revenge from that last game and, you know, shows people that teams like that won't and shouldn't be able to hold him. Yeah, I wanted to quickly respond to one thing that you were saying about Josh Allen uh, against the Ravens. I think the the Ravens' reputation suggests that they should be playing well as a secondary, but the Ravens' injuries uh, have really hurt their performance so far. So I think it's possible that the they're starting to get healthier this week and they could cause trouble. But until I see them healthy and in action uh, and playing up to their standards, I don't want to assume that they're going to be a, a real challenge for Josh Allen. Um, moving on to the next quarterback in, in my list, which is Russell Wilson. And this has been really tough to watch honestly, with Russell Wilson. He's gotten better each week, but it's it's still not really there for Russell Wilson. He's having long stretches where he's not been able to generate any sort of success pushing the ball down the field or in the under, underneath areas. Um, the accuracy just looks like it's dropped off significantly for Russell Wilson. And especially the consistency on short throws. He, he doesn't seem to have that type of uh, ball control anymore from his arm. So that seems like it's going to be a problem going forward unless he can kind of establish a rhythm uh, for the Broncos. But, but the, real, the real thing that I want to see from Russell Wilson is a high volume of the explosive plays because the accuracy down the field is kind of dropping as well. And I think that for a player whose, whose value is driven so much by those explosive plays, it's very important for him to kind of recapture that kind of magic that he can create. Uh, this week against the Raiders, it's possible that the Raiders have kind of a bounce back game on offense and 
that pushes Russell Wilson into a game script where he has to push the ball down the field in high volume. And so I'm hopeful that he can start doing that and getting guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, uh, a bunch of downfield targets and explosive plays. But until I see it, I don't necessarily want to believe it. And I'm more inclined to believe that Russ is on the decline than more than anything else. Um, moving on to my next quarterback on this list, and that's Patrick Mahomes. So I probably talked about uh, – Patrick Mahomes against the Chiefs, where I thought he played better than the box score. Um, I think Potty might have referenced the touchdown that Kelsey potentially dropped uh, on the back shoulder corner route, uh, where Mahomes put it kind of on the money. And I think that would have changed the narrative surrounding that game specifically. Um, But looking at the Chiefs for this week, I think that Mahomes can continue to elevate his play, uh, pushing his trajectory forward uh, through the week with the game against the Bucks, The Bucks are notably a stingy secondary with a strong defensive line. And so I think that his accuracy and his ability to take the underneath throws will be tested against Tampa. However, if he's able to kind of soften them up and kind of get things going, um, like the last time that they played um, in the regular season, which Tyreek Hill went off for, what was it, like 230 yards in the first quarter, I think it's possible that if he can do that early, do the do the short area stuff early on, that that kind of option might be available uh, late in the game to guys like Travis Kelsey or McCole Hardman or someone like that. So, uh, looking to see, how, I, I'm really curious to see how this game goes. More than anything, I think that's the right word because I think that this this defense poses a unique threat that Mahomes hasn't seen so far this season. And moving on from that Sunday night game to this week's Monday night matchup. And as a Niners fan, it absolutely hurts my heart to say, but we're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo coming off an absolutely abysmal performance, having watched him his whole time at San Francisco, by far his worst performance in his time here. I find it absolutely embarrassing that our organization is tied to a quarterback walking out the back of the end zone now, like the Lions. Like, the Lions are a poverty franchise, so it's acceptable for something like that to be attached to them. But seeing that happen and him not only do that, but proceed to throw a pick six, which ultimately didn't count because of the safety, but still just absolutely embarrassing and terrible. And just looking at that game as a whole, I don't know what happened in between the week where we played Seattle to that Broncos game, but that was one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen from both sides, as Petey mentioned earlier with Wilson, but the Niners specifically because Jimmy G was absolutely unable to get anything going in that game. In that first game back, he looked like he had come back with a little bit of a new arm from that shoulder repair or something, but This, once again, we saw the Jimmy G of old where he wasn't throwing it anywhere at all downfield. And normally that's offset by his ability to make quick decisions and be on the money over the middle of the field and in short yardage situations. But in this game, even that was off. He was throwing balls in the dirt. He was throwing everything inaccurately, taking poor sacks. And he took an absolutely winnable game for the Niners and just threw it away time and time again in specific that fourth quarter where 
we had a chance down one to take the game, and he just threw a pick. And I guess the game did end on a Jeff Wilson fumble. Maybe Jimmy G would have pulled something out of his ass and maybe won us that game, but overall just a horrible performance. And moving on from that mini rant about last week, because just look, seeing that as a Niners fan almost made me cry. But hopefully, previewing this next matchup against the Rams, hopefully we can bounce back. Because as we've seen in recent memory, the Niners do somewhat seem to have the Rams number. Kyle Shanahan always seems to outcoach McVay in a way. And last season as well, the Niners did use the opportunity against the Rams to, in a way, turn around their season. What I'm looking uh, for Jimmy G to do in this game is go back to that Jimmy G that's able to make quick decisions over the middle of the field and just get the ball out to his elite playmakers like Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, etc. Because he was not doing that so far in his return. And with the Niners facing probably the worst O-line he's ever had, uh, with Trent Williams being out for a while and our interior O-line being all first-year starters coming up against Aaron Donald and a pretty decent Rams pass rush, Jimmy G's gonna have to get the ball out of his hands quick and he can't just like tuck his tail and take sacks which we've seen quite often from him and just overall I think at this point everyone knows that Jimmy G is a game managing type of quarterback who ends up mismanaging games quite often when he turns the ball over so hopefully he can limit his turnover plays in this game because this is a defense that is going to punish those types of plays that he makes. And I'm hoping for a bit of a redemption arc from him because the Rams did end the 49ers season last year as well in that NFC Championship, obviously. And a big part of that was Jimmy G being absolutely unable to get anything going. And most the most important thing I want to see from him is we see a lot of the time in the first drive or two, Jimmy G will come out a little bit hot and be able to, he looks like a much different quarterback and people wonder why that is. But a lot of the time the Niners come in with a script as so to say with Kyle Shanahan in the first drive or two, and he's able to get going on that and execute that well. But when defenses adjust, he simply does not. And at his age of, 31, 32 years old, that's absolutely inexcusable as a veteran quarterback. And I hope this game he can build off that first drive or two, which hopefully he will be successful and just continue to play the same way and just improve from what all I can describe is an absolutely embarrassing performance last week. Yeah, uh, I want to touch on one thing that you said there with Jimmy G. Uh, you called him a game manager, which is I, I I don't I don't like the term in general, but I especially don't like it for Jimmy G because to me Jimmy G has honestly always been an explosive play machine. Uh, it's not in the traditional way where you see guys chuck the ball down the field, but Jimmy G kind of wins with timing, anticipation, and accuracy in the middle of the field to where that is one of the most difficult areas of the field. Uh, to defend once you get a guy moving in that area because he has all the all the room he's the maximum room to work 
Um, so uh, throwing in the middle of the field has kind of been a source of explosive plays for Jimmy G, but he always offsets it offsets it uh, with those turnover worthy plays. So for me, he's a bit, he's not a bit, he's a lot more up and down than people want to give him credit for. And I think um, the label of game manager gives him kind of like this kind of archetype of uh, a low error, um, a low explosive play kind of quarterback, which where I think he's the exact opposite. The other thing that I wanted to touch on is that I think that some of the struggles of Jimmy G can be attributed to the Broncos defense. Um, we've seen for three consecutive weeks now, albeit against somewhat weak competition at quarterback, where the Broncos have kind of made the opposing quarterbacks really struggle. I think this week against the Raiders will be a litmus test, but so far this year, the Broncos defense looks like it's pretty formidable. And I don't think that all of that performance can be attributable attributable to Jimmy G just playing horrendously. Yeah, I think a lot of the frustration from me as well as just the Niners fan base in general comes from the fact that we've been here and seen this before. We know how this goes and it's not a pretty sight. And I don't know, every time you hope for something different, but you know, it's Jimmy G is going to be Jimmy G and you know, you just have to hope that the team can make up for those mistakes, as you mentioned earlier. And just overall, there's a lot of talk on the internet and media, 49ers Twitter, that Jimmy G was our win-now guy, that Jimmy G was the only quarterback the 49ers can win with, and that, you know, Kyle Shan, this is child- Kyle Shanahan's guy. He only wins with Jimmy G. So when he comes back and just proves to everybody why that the fact that he's a winner that means absolutely nothing and all the people who are chanting for him to come back now because he puts us in Super Bowl condition and uh, contention and a win now mode it just proves them all completely wrong because this is just the same guy we've seen in years prior playing with a 49ers roster that just doesn't match up to the two that went on a Super Bowl and an NFC championship run. So it's just overall very disappointing. And, you know, I just hope Jimmy G can turn things around for his sake. Maybe it ends up landing him a job in the future. Or maybe he ends up extending his tenure here because somehow, some way, he manages, he's managed to do it for the last three years. So we'll see what happens with him. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Potty, anything else you wanted to say? No, just excited for another week of football. And, you know, this is a quarterback-centric podcast, and we've seen a lot of quarterback injuries as of recent. So for all those people that have a quarterback that is injured, I'm hoping, you know, they come back with full health and just hoping this week we don't see a whole lot of that and just we get to enjoy, you know, what we want to see. All right. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening this week. Um, We'll come back next week with our week four review and week five preview. Um, Looking forward to another week of football. And thank you all so much for watching. Yep. Peace out. Thank you.